Welcome to The Math of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. On this, our 58th episode, it's the return of Camille Washington. And this is a packed show, y'all. Along the way, we discuss how Sailor Moon's superpower is secretly friendship. We briefly discuss the Super Saiyan goodness of the New Day. We dip into Xena Warrior Princess. We talk about Bloodsport and Kickboxer and how they're kind of the same movie, but kind of not. We go deep on how the flat is the best part of a chicken wing and the correct way to eat it. And we talk about the comic Monstrous, which ends up being an excuse to talk about just how cool Marjorie Lou is. We'll finish the show with our signature cocktail and let you know how you can become a guest on The Math of You. We join this conversation already in progress. you may not know you, why don't you say who you are and what makes you a beautiful and unique snowflake? My name is Camille, and the things that make me a unique snowflake are in no particular order. My deep love for corn, my hatred of Nazis, my podcast on Friendly Black Hotties, and my day job as a, as a globe-trotting, higher-ed shoddy, professional type. <laughs> <laughs> and astute listeners will remember Camille from way back, way back in episode two, which is literally a year ago. Oh, I know. I checked it yesterday. I checked my time hop and it was like 365 days. There was me posting the first episode. So uh, mazel tov to all of us. And in that episode, we talked not only about Camille's love for corn, but we also talked (laughs) about uh, some Nick Jr. cartoons. We talked about Mm -hmm. Gullah Gullah Island. And we talked about, we talked about Scholastic Book Fairs. Oh, yeah. Which continue to be so good. important. So important. Capital I important. So, listeners, if you do want to go back and have a listen, I would actually recommend it because here's the thing. Some of those early episodes, I was still kind of finding my feet with the format. I still intend to get your friend, Andrew Cunningham, back on the show to have an actual episode instead of just one where we talked about video games for now. <laughs> I really like that one, though. I have to say. Now that I'm doing these return episodes, I realized that was basically a return episode, except I hadn't done the first <laughs> It one happened yet. first. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to like bring him back. I'm like, no, we actually do have to talk about you, Andrew. <laughs> I don't know. He's a Scorpio like me. He's, he's pretty mysterious. His heart is a walled garden. True. Like the Balam gardens. You know what I mean? <laughs> so here's the thing. Now that we've already talked about, you know, you growing up in essentially the sweaty armpit of the States... And being mm-hmm. <laughs> and being very involved in breakfast cereal and things like that and how important it was. I do have a question for you. Yes. I would like to hear your experience with the most famous of cousins, Michelle and Amara from Sailor Moon. Oh, yeah. 
Is that like a wistful so, sigh? Yeah, it's like yearning. <laughs> so Sailor Moon has always been important to me. Like since I remember watching TV, I remember Sailor Moon because it would come on. I think it came on at 3.30 and I would get home from school around 3 and Dragon Ball Z came on first. So I've also seen all of that wonderful series because my older brother had dibs on the TV. And then at 3.30 though, it was my time to commune with the senshi. <laughs> and as I reflect on it now, like that probably was the, the one of many starts to my 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 queer awakening. <laughs> Just like <laughs> for real, you, you are absolutely not alone in that. I'm a longtime listener of Sailor Business, and so many women mm-hmm. have come on that show and said, "Hey, so Sailor Moon, right? Let me know I'm real gay." Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's why are their legs so long? They're like 14. <laughs> I mean, I know why, but just like, I don't know, man, what a crazy culture (laughs) to like, have that be the image of like a 14 year old girl. So setting aside the obvious sensual interest in (laughs) Sailor Moon. Your extremely queer bones appreciation of that show. Very, very regular. No one is confused about that at all. (laughs) My favorite thing about Sailor Moon was always this idea that friendship is the reservoir from which they draw all of their strength, which really speaks to my baby soft spirit (laughs) and heart. You know, just this idea that like, truly it is only through love that you can like overcome your enemies. Like, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a good message, you know? (laughs) I have been really upset to the point where I'm thinking of making it myself, that there is not a GIF somewhere on the internet that's readily available of that bit in the opening where Serena has like the moon rod and she's like charging up her blast and all the like spirits of her friends stand next to her and put their hands on her like that as, as it charges there, there was no gif of that. Mm-hmm. I want a, like a beautiful high quality gif of like her hair blowing in the, like in the wind and her like blasting barrel. Like that's what I want. Wait, are you sure that doesn't exist? Cause I feel like I've seen that only like tiny pixelated versions on like the fan wiki. Mm. I want to mm. get like a high res video file and just like gif that up because that is so important. I would support it. I would use that gif probably most days of my life. Like, look, here's the thing. Moon spiral heart attack as a gif takes like 10 to 15 seconds, right? Because it's a really mm-hmm. long animation. But as Chris Sims will tell you, it is the most satisfying attack on that show because she makes a heart <laughs> the size of a house and it hits that motherfucker <laughs> like a truck. And like leaves a monster shaped impression in the middle of it. And, the, and then the thing evaporates. And it's like, yeah. It is very excellent. Taking all the power and love that you have in the world and hitting it like a fucking Mack truck. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> now, if you compare that with the spirit bomb mm. of Dragon Ball Z and like, how long did it take Goku to make that thing? Like 40 episodes? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> To make a gif of that, I mean, that would be, it would probably be the length of like a single episode of television. <laughs> just the gif of just making the, the spirit bomb. And not, not to put us in the ditch already, but I, I think I might have mentioned before, there is a trio of wrestlers called The New Day who are amazing. And at one point they came out of a giant cereal box at WrestleMania dressed as Dragon Ball Z characters. And Xavier Woods, who is amazing, came out with like a monkey tail <laughs> and his hair like spiked up Super Saiyan. And I need to find a picture of this because you need to see it. I will stop the entire episode for this. 
That does sound very important, actually. But wait, explain to me who this person is. Okay, Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods, Woods, you said? Yeah, Xavier Woods. He used to be known as Consequences Creed in other federations. But currently, he's part of a group called The New Day. And The New Day are a trio of black wrestlers who had initially been given the shittiest of black wrestler gimmicks. And that they were told, oh, it's like a gospel gimmick. And everyone everywhere got kind of sighed because that's what they do when they don't have they don't have an idea of what to give you next so they just go all right well what if you're a black preacher and everyone kind of goes ugh can, can you fucking not oh yeah and what they did is to use a wrestling term the new day took chicken shit and made chicken salad out of it by just being <laughs> incredibly like their whole thing was that they were bad guys but they were really positive about it and it helped that all three of them were really funny and clever and also really good wrestlers to the point where they eventually just made them good guys because they would essentially just come out and everyone would cheer for them and I'm going to just drop this picture in the chat of the three of them. So there's three of them. There's Kofi Kingston, who has been a long-term kind of mainstay of wrestling, who I've liked for a long time. There is Xavier Woods. Mm -hmm. And then there is Biggie Langston, uh, who is a former power lifter and one of the most physically impressive individuals I have seen. Hang on. It is Cindy now. Oh, that's a lot of man. That would be Biggie Langston, and they call him that for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) The thighs alone. My goodness. But yeah, if you look on the left... That is Xavier Woods, and they have taken his natural hair, and they have given him Super Saiyan hair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I like the gold of this outfit as well. Yeah. And the thing is, they had never even mentioned Dragon Ball in any of their stuff. It was just like, hi, we're coming out of a cereal box wearing unicorn horns, and you can deal with it. And just like with a casual trombone. Oh, yeah. Just like a casual black and gold trombone. There have been like three trombones, because bad guys keep taking the trombone and smashing it. And the trombone was named Francine. So every time Francine is smashed, they get a new trombone, and they're up to, I think, Francine 3. And that is the trombone's entire name. It is never just Francine. It is Francine 3. I mean, correct. Like Snowball 2 in The Simpsons. You need to pay homage where it's due, you know? Yeah. Respect the past. And also, Xavier Woods has a an amazing video game YouTube show called Up, Up, Down, Down, where he'll get other wrestlers to come on and play video games, and it's just fantastic. Huh. Sorry to derail the conversation. We were talking about the spirit no, no. bomb thing and the fact that when he came out, he was not just a Super Saiyan, but he was a Super Saiyan with a monkey tail. And I'm like, that's deep commitment mm-hmm. to original Dragon Ball before there was a Z. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is very deep commitment, but also engaging with... I don't know, creating a potentially problematic image, one might say. Oh, yes. It's like, it's a, it's like an interesting interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Like if you are a black man, you're going to put on a monkey tail. Okay, cool. Cool, uh, cool, cool. See, I didn't put it together, choices. that's why you're the expert. Mm, you know, I am a black person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you heard. <laughs> I have heard this. It is, in fact, in the title mm-hmm. of your podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so coming rocketing back to Sailor Moon before I put us in the wrestling yes. ditch. The wrestling ditch is a place. I accept this. Mm-hmm. So you were in from the start, right? So in like season one, yeah. they were like putting the team together and everything. Mm-hmm. Season one, putting the team together. But I, I have actually just started a rewatch of this in the original Japanese, of course, mm-hmm. of the season where they meet the outer senshi. Oh, yes. And it's just all of those scenes, those early episodes from that season when you have Neptune and Uranus like up in a tree, sort of quietly, <laughs> quietly scheming. Oh, you you got to put on the voice, though, when you talk about it. It's, mm, yes, we must find the pure hearts. Yes, indeed, we mm, should. Mm. I wonder if that would be them. Well, we might have to kill them to find out. Mm, yes, that's true. 
which, you know, that is a viewpoint I can relate to. <laughs> Sometimes you have to like kill your darlings or whatever. <laughs> is that a saying? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have heard that. So in your rewatch, are there things mm. that you're appreciating more from the Japanese side or just more as an adult versus when you were a kid? I think I'm noticing more about the relationships between all the senshi and like how they each have their own relationship with each other that's very separate from like their other relationships. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I feel like I didn't put that very clearly. No, but, no you're, you're, I'm with you. But I have like the same sort of thinking about that as I do with a show like Sex and the City, mm-hmm. which is also a portrayal of like female friendships. But I just always appreciate whenever there's a group of women, when we dispense with this idea that all of the women are all equally good friends with each other in exactly the same way. Because no, like, because of course not, because that's not how relationships go. Yeah. And I think I've heard it put that essentially Serena's superpower is that she's everyone's best friend, is that the others will mm-hmm. be friends, but Serena would think of herself as, oh, I'm Ami's best friend. You know, I'm Makoto's best friend mm-hmm. because that's her thing. She is not the best at everything. She just happens to be the destined boon princess, although nobody figures that out till later. But she is just mm-hmm. someone who, when she decides to be someone's friend, is someone's friend 100%. Yeah, and Serena is also really, like, her sense of empathy is very strong, which is what makes her such a good friend. So, like, when Ray is, like, mean to her, she is able to see through and be like, you know, actually... Like Ray is probably like anxious about like this thing or she's hard on me because she wants the best for me. And she's just always willing to see the best in people and trust her friends to like love her. And, you know, she's very forgiving and just gets that intuitively, like senses other people's anxieties and doesn't get angry with them when they're working through something, you know? Yeah, totally. Which is special. Like people can't do that in the real world. That's tough stuff <laughs> and i've heard it said like because the thing is when i was watching it when i was younger i used to I'm sorry i used to hate sailor mars because i'm just like <laughs> you're a jerk for no reason but yeah it's like really that was the sort of the deep dub really kind of flattening a lot of those personalities and i've heard it said that it was like in the manga it was much shorter that kind of adversarial relationship that they had but because they stretched mm. the story out for like however many episodes of the first season, a lot of the stuff like Darian and Serena's kind of bantery relationship before they settled down, Ray and Serena arguing all the time, was stuff that happened very briefly, but had to be extended. And so you had mm. kind of the same conversations happening over and over again, which made them seem meaner than they probably intended. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. But you're bringing up Darian is also reminding me of my ever-present rage about like the myth of tuxedo mask the man is useless the piece of shit that is tuxedo mask yeah (laughs) the man cannot fight (laughs) to save his or anyone's life what are you doing how about i throw a rose and then i just like tip the fuck out the door (laughs) yeah it's just like what are you what are you bringing to the table like a semi-witty remark that no one needed to hear and then just like leave so the girls can fight pretty much trust yourself sailor moon farewell which like she didn't need someone to tell her to do that. She has herself and like her friends to support her. So that was really sufficient. And I just, I just reject him completely. <laughs> also, there's that weird street harassment thing that they start out with, which may have been okay whenever they were doing the show, at least as far as the writers were concerned, but it's totally not okay now. Yeah. You know, woke, this, wokeness is a journey. This 45 year old man. <laughs> Talking to a 14-year-old girl outside an arcade and giving her shit for doing bad on a test. It's like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, right? Like, and just his constant negging. Just like, Mm -hmm. so irritating. Like, what are you, 12? Like, all the meatball head stuff. He's so rude. 
He's so rude. I mean, I get it. Like, I understand why she liked him. He was very tall. But, like, what else? What else do you have for me, tall man? Also, some of his outfits on that show are so extra. Oh, really? Like the- I just remember, like, the one, like, green jacket. Like, that standard look. It's the teal tennis sweater, like, tied around his shoulders with, like, a neon pink polo shirt. <laughs> with, like, an 80s screensaver image on it. And then, like, pleated pants, like, up to his armpits. Oh, you know what he dresses like? He dresses like every illustration in a foreign language textbook. Yes. Right? Also, like, every bad guy jock in an 80s movie. True. Two things can be one thing. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm trying to look up bad Darian outfits now. (laughs) I wonder if it's going to get me on a watch list. (laughs) But there's one thing that, in my rewatch, that really stuck out to me. And it's something that... Because the thing is, oh God, what's her name in the English? Uh, Sailor Jupiter. Mm. I always think Makoto, but mm. is it Lita? Yeah, Lita. The English one? Yeah. 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 Lita was always my favorite. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was mostly due to the fact that when she's introduced, she's already beating up thugs before she has superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> See, I always liked her because of her love of food and like... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And I liked her voice and I think... For me, she reads sort of queer, and that I'm also very into. It is a longstanding thing on Sailor Business that their impression is that Ami and Makoto are actually a couple and are secretly dating behind the scenes. Mm. I'm into that, yes. And their portmanteau name is Cookbook. Aww. (laughs) It's super cute. That's so good. Yep. (laughs) And it's led to, there's a scene in one of them where whatever the monster of the week is, is like causing students to mistrust each other and they're accusing Ami of cheating and they're like forming a little mob to like come after her and say like, oh, no one can get test scores that high. You must be a cheater. Mizuno's a cheater. And Makoto basically gets in their face and says the equivalent of, uh, the fuck you say? <laughs> and then when, when they try to get in her face and say, well, we'll get you too, she beats the ever-loving shit out of all of them, including German suplexing one of them. And I'm just like, yes, yes, find you a friend like Makoto Kido. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk shit, get hit. <laughs> yeah, find you a girl who can cook you a meal and beat your enemies into a pulp. Correct. Yep. That is a correct skill set for a human woman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was one of those ones where I was watching it on my phone and I just started like mashing the screenshot button oh. to the point where my phone got worried for me and just started like turning off and back on oh. again yeah it's so you can decide with her and you get that flash across the eyes and it's like oh shit you're in trouble now in so much trouble so much trouble whoa yeah there's a lot of rage in those green eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then Ami comes around the corner and she's standing next to a pile of just like beat to shit dude <laughs> and these guys are bad mouthing you saying you cheated so i may have murdered them <laughs> perfect yeah that's friendship one of the many forms friendship can take speaking of ass kicking Mm. let's use this as a segue because since our episode we have since had conversations on twitter about a very important movie called kickboxer (sighs) kickboxer is a deeply deeply important film yes i'm so glad that you brought it up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i know my experience with kickboxer which was falling asleep watching that movie and then waking up and realizing that never surrender was still playing in my room at two in the morning. <laughs> but what was your experience with Kickboxer? So I've seen that movie certainly at least 15 times. I've seen that movie so, so many times. I think the first time I watched it was with my dad, who is like a big martial arts buff. He is 
incredibly amused at the fact that like I do Muay Thai now, but because when I was a kid, I had zero interest in any sort of martial arts training. Yeah. Anyway. So wait, Booker T was trying to get you to go to the Mall Taekwondo studio and stuff. No, Booker T wanted to teach me himself, which... Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) It is awesome, but it's just like too hardcore for like a 12-year-old. He... Like with my little brother, because my little brother actually did take an interest in Taekwondo when he was young. And my dad would have him doing all kinds of crazy like drills sort of off the books or whatever. Like he would have him (laughs) conditioning his hand on like a wood board, just like repeatedly just like punching it. Doing that iron palm stuff, like throwing your hands into the split peas and things and just being like, you must toughen up your hand. Yeah, yeah. And so even now, when I visit my parents and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like work out, my dad will volunteer to work out, quote, with me. But what he really wants Uh to do is train me and like punch me in the stomach as I'm doing sit-ups and crunches, which is fine now because that's the crap that they do in my Muay Thai class. But you can imagine if you're a young girl you're just trying to watch sailor moon you're not trying to (laughs) you're not trying to become like the world warrior you know (laughs) which which that voice chip from that original street fighter 2 arcade game saying japan (laughs) was something that i did when i was on the plane to japan oh god and i'd like to say it was charming but i'm pretty sure it was really annoying Uh, yeah i was gonna say i'm sure your seat in the eight was not at all charmed Um, (laughs) how many times did you do it often enough that kimiko started finishing the musical sting before i could say it. (laughs) it's amazing this woman had a child with me it is you got lucky there friend that (laughs) so just coming back to kickboxer i imagine that once you eventually did get into muay thai it was a bit of shock that no one was you know dropping weights onto your stomach and telling you to breathe in to protect or tying a bit of meat to your leg and then sending a dog after you. Yeah, I know. My training montages are not nearly satisfactory. Where is the drama? And also, what is my motivation? Like, why am I training? Like, is my brother in danger? Like, Kurt's? If not, what what am I really doing here? What is the message? Also, Kurt's brother may be the most, like, period PC thing of that entire movie. (laughs) With his jerry-curled mullet and his little mustache. Yeah, so actually, so let's really do a close reading of this film. All right, all right, all right. So let us first address, why do they always feel this need in these movies to make Jean-Claude Van Damme American? What is the reasoning behind that? Like, why can't he just be... From Belgium. Yeah, like where he's from. Because they even, like, they try and hand wave it in the movie where they, where it's like when he's chatting up the lady, uh, it's like the lady whose name I'm, I don't remember because I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, wait a minute. Am I am I combining movies? No, no, no. Because, okay, so the problem is, yeah, that's my bad. Kickboxer and Bloodsport are basically the same movie, but they're just different enough. Yeah, one has Bolo Young and the other one has Tung Po, who played Tung Po for the rest of his life. Because remember, in Bloodsport, they hand-waved it and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, my mom was American, but we moved to Brussels and she made me learn ballet before I could take karate. Hence my accent. But then, yeah, it, Oh, no, no, that's right. In Kickboxer, they do. Because it's like the other brother, whose name I'm forgetting, Mustache Man. Eric? Says, I think it's Eric. Eric, that's the one, yeah. Because he sort of screams it. He's like, Eric! <laughs> and so Eric grew up with their dad. And hence grew up American and tough and stuff. And Kirk grew up with their mom. Yeah, I think there's a very brief conversation at the beginning. Yeah, I'm impressed that you remember that. 
because oh, I have also seen Kickboxer a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. Well, because I will like watch it, but I won't listen to it. You know what I mean? Like I'm just watching for mm. the helicopter kicks because mm-hmm. I mean, watching that butt fly up into the air like that is really something to behold. <laughs> we do not have action stars like that anymore. Okay. Like you don't have to be you don't really have to know what you're doing to be an action star anymore because of the way that they edit action mm-hmm. movies these days, like just like a ton of quick cuts. Jean-Claude had mm-hmm. to be able to like do something, had to actually be mm-hmm. an athlete, which is what I would say when my mom was like, why are you watching Kickboxer again? I was like, it's, it's because of the athleticism. That's why I'm watching it. And she's like, <laughs> okay, do you want me to close the door? <laughs> it's like, yeah, mom. Look, he's doing forms underwater. Isn't that badass? While his trainer plays a flute. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so was... This is again where the confusion between Bloodsport and Kickboxer happens. So was it Mm -hmm. the the actor... Was it the bad guy in Bloodsport who's the one that was super old at the time of filming? It was, right? Yeah, the bad guy in Bloodsport was played by Bolo Young, who was also one of the early bad guys in Enter the Dragon. That's how old Bolo Young was. Oh. And still in fantastic shape. Was he? He must have been like fifth, like in his fifties at the time. I will check because yeah, he's like the first guy that Bruce Lee fights and like kills because he's the big scary bad guy, and it's Bruce Lee having to prove that he's tough. Oh, you mean in Enter the Dragon? And yeah, he like looks badass and then gets his ass handed to him. Okay, he was born. He's seventy-one today. He was born in nineteen forty-six, and Bloodsport came out in. 1988 so yeah he would have been in his 40s 42 good for him wow wait so now i'm now i'm asking myself the question which movie do i prefer see i have a weird thing and i've mentioned it a few times in the show because my dad taped bloodsport off the tv Hmm. i saw bloodsport and it starts when he's at the arcade and he meets his big bearded american buddy Hmm. and so I missed the entire training montage at the beginning where you can't get a katana sword by stealing. The dude, like, cuts the brim off his baseball cap. I missed all of that. Mm. And so it's just like he's this – and I think actually the movie works a little better that way because he just turns up. And the fact that he can do all these things and that people are doubting he's from Tanaka and, like, he does the dim mac and blows up the bottom brick, stuff like that, comes as this, like, reveal of a mystery, which is a different sort of movie. Hmm. And so when people are giving him shit and being like, you can't hang with us in, in this, you know, you're not good enough, you're just some American asshole who's just wandered in, you believe it because it's just, he's just a dude, right? Hmm. Huh. You haven't seen the entire movie of him training up to do this thing. Yeah, but you just need that montage, though. Like, you just, it's just so important. <laughs> But okay, so which one? <laughs> this episode is just going to be called like Kickboxer or Bloodsport. You decide. <laughs> so, in which one of those films was there that dance scene when he's like drunk and he like goes down into the splits? It's like you know that. Do you know the gift that I'm talking about? Where he's like, oh, I, I not only know the gift, I know the scene and the song. <laughs> so that is Kickboxer. Okay. Because here's the thing: his teacher decides to see how well he's learned and like looking back i could say okay this is his teacher seeing how much he has internalized and learned via muscle memory as opposed to just thinking about stuff Mm. so in order to kind of get him out of his own head he takes him to a bar and like gives him this like snake venom booze which looks like soy sauce and Mm. (laughs) from the look on his face tastes like tar and he gives him like five shots of this shit and watches jean-claude van damme's incredible drunk acting And then while, like, leaves him to dance with some girls. 
at which point he is doing the splits mm-hmm. in pants that must have had like a gusset built into them because there's no way you can do a split in khakis like they that. were so tight <laughs> they were so tight they were so tight why do we not talk about that and they they came they they had like a high waist on them if i if i recall correctly and, and they had that mom waist man <laughs> Those are back. I wish I had a pair. I could do the splits. You could probably get some. <laughs> Urban Outfitters could hook you up. Oh, yeah. That is true. That is true. And so he's dancing. And the thing is, Jean-Claude Van Damme is trained as a dancer. He can dance. But he is doing the, like, dorkiest dad dancing. But, you know, he's dorky, but you can tell he's got some, like, swag about it. You know? Oh, yeah, it's that first move where he does the little clap and the kind of... <laughs> twist to the side as the as the music goes ah and it's like yeah you're having fun so then the teacher goes over and tells a bunch of like local fighters that hey this american piece of shit has been saying that you're terrible fighters and your mom has sex with mules and so <laughs> they go over and start some shit and, <laughs> and then shit goes down Mm-hmm. including something that used to always make my dad laugh because my dad always hated in movies where someone would use both their hands to pick put someone against a wall or like put both their hands on a table or do something that in a fight would actually be a detriment but looked really showy and macho, right? Oh yeah, I mean that's the problem with being trained in Muay Thai now is like a little bit of my ability to enjoy the film is taken away because I know like in an actual fight you would have been knocked out many many minutes ago like dude what are you doing where are you looking what is the form on that kick that has no power Mm -hmm. behind it it's just pretty to look at you know like the helicopter kicks as much as I love them I I just refuse to believe all your power is going up none of it's going into the kick yeah and you would just tire out so quickly like there's no way like you would just land and get punched in the trachea and then that would be that (laughs) there's a bit in the fight in the bar where a big bad guy with tattoos comes up and like puts both his hands down on the table like hey you Jean-Claude Van Damme who is sitting at the table looks up at him drunk and smacks both of his arms to the side and then dings his head on the table and that made my dad laugh so much because he's just like yeah that never works it never works (laughs) it's like it looks cool and makes you feel tough but it's a really dumb thing to do because you're tying up both your hands wait was your dad in like a lot of fights with his like with his own martial arts knowledge my dad was in the army originally and then and then trained when he was a little older in choi fat kung fu to the point where the majority of my teen years he was running a self-defense studio Mm. in vancouver and so did you have to be like a guinea pig for any of his classes or did you want to be oh yeah there are pictures of me doing forms in the kitchen when i'm eight years old or smaller and like learning how to do a fu chao which is a tiger claw with my hands and Mm. like how to do a cobra punch and all these things that as a kid i thought was just oh every kid got this no and (laughs) nope nope i mean like i was yeah like i was doing stuff pretty much until i was about 15 i was doing stuff pretty much continuously and i don't really talk about it much because i don't know why it just it just never really comes up except for occasionally in situations like this where it does Mm. and when i was on xena warrior business a couple of months ago and they're like why did you watch xena i'm like well anything with fighting in it was like what we watched in my house (laughs) i mean but also xena i mean yeah well, that. that's the thing that's one of those Oof. ones where it's like that's where it sticks because also Xena is an amazing show and also Xena although I was more of a Gabrielle person I, I had a huge crush on Gabrielle 
they were just so clearly like they were married they didn't need to have a talk about it like they were in love for real like you could that oh, stuff yeah. was obvious it's mentioned all over Xena Warrior business where it's like especially in the in the first season there were all these like abortive attempts to like what they refer to as <laughs> hooking Gabrielle up with a series of Greg's <laughs> and Greg is named for bringing it full circle for Ami's one-time boyfriend who turns up to the clearly gay Ami and um. is like hi we'll we'll be like I'll be your boyfriend now and she is like I am studying and you can go away correct I will make sure you don't die, but we, we this this thing this is not a thing. Yes, this is boring to me. <laughs> and then he goes away forever. Yes, I will not have it in my home. No, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, like Pernicus and all these other Greg of the weeks that will turn up have zero <laughs> chemistry with Renee O'Connor and then fuck off never to return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more people should do that. Just like go away, just go be in a hole. <laughs> Also, because I'm presuming you watched a bunch of Xena, yeah? Yes, I did. Although very sporadically. I never watched a season, but it's one of those shows that was just always on, you know? Yeah, it's it's that TBS thing where it's like there's constantly an episode on at some point in like the afternoon. Yeah. So here's the thing. You know when Xena would like blow fire from her mouth? She'd like Mm -hmm. take a drink of something and like breathe fire? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's because Lucy Lawless could do that. Lucy Lawless is so cool. Yep. And that's why every time in the show, when they would show her breathing fire, they would do that shit in slow-mo and keep it on her face so that you could see this was Lucy as Lawless blowing flame at this poor fucker who's tried to attack her. Again, another like kind of action star that we just don't have anymore. Because if you think about mm-hmm. like current TV, what is mm-hmm. there? There's nothing, right? Is there? Not really. Because I mean, although I am currently in the dregs, because Defenders is coming out, or has just come out, mm. and Kimiko's like, we've been avoiding watching Iron Fist. Yeah. Because that show is trash, and it makes me so mad. Yeah, it's a problem. Especially just coming from the standpoint of what we've just been talking about, of like knowing how to fight and watching the, the way they fight on that show. Mm-hmm. It makes me so fucking mad. Colleen Wing on that show, the show does not quite know how to treat her, and be like, okay, she's a really good fighter, but then... Iron Fist outclasses her to the point where she can't land a hit on him and she can fight six people at once until a time where she has to fight someone who's dangerous at which point she's I'm like guys please just please make up your mind yeah so yeah I would watch a, a, a Colleen Wing Daughters of the Dragon show where Misty Knight and Colleen Wing are like Xena and Gabrielle and just like kicking ass mm-hmm. yes please mm-hmm. sign me up yes and with like actual skills and like fighting mm-hmm. ability I want that the people deserve that for TV I never watched Alias I will say oh yeah and see, neither, neither did I was that I was gonna say there's a very small and dedicated fandom yeah it seems like a thing I should get into if only because it just seems so gay to me and mm-hmm. so that is obviously a draw it's like an easy sell <laughs> Um, but I don't know if it's, I feel like it's not streaming anywhere, and that's why I haven't done it. I don't think so either, yeah. Although I can I can just hear Elizabeth Dubois jumping up and down and yelling, Cleopatra 2099, <laughs> 25-25, sorry. And I'm just like, no, we're not watching that. <laughs> we deserve better than that. Did you see Atomic Blonde yet, friend? No, I haven't because I have a baby now. That's real. And so yeah. it's like there are three movies that I really want to see. And it's Spider-Man Homecoming, mm. Baby Driver, and Atomic Blonde. They are like top three. But what we have to do, Kimiko and I, is find like showings that are doing like a two o'clock and a four o'clock so that one of us can go to the two o'clock and then like hand the baby to the other <laughs> as they come out and then go to the four o'clock. That's genius, actually. I mean, that seems like a good plan. Why haven't you guys done it? The logistics therein. Yeah, yeah. Also, you learn that, like, getting a baby ready and out the door takes, like, an hour and a half. <laughs> it's 
some real shit. I do hear, I do hear about this. I mean, I do not have a baby myself, but I do have many pals that have babies, and it seems arduous. Like going anywhere, it seems like it. It takes some time. Like I've got, I've got a new job that I started at the beginning of July, mm-hmm. and I had a real frank conversation with my boss like the first week, where I'm like, okay, I'm starting at nine, but occasionally it's gonna be nine fifteen, and I and I hate that. Like I hate being late. It like causes me like physical pain to be mm-hmm. late. But I'm gonna tell you that I have my normal way of getting ready in the morning, and I can be like all set and like have like five minutes before I gotta leave, and then something will happen with the baby, and I leave twenty minutes later. Cause yeah. <laughs> oh, that must be tough. Like on your Idiot. on your like, cause I I share that feeling about lateness. It mm-hmm. stresses me out. Like few things to do, and just like to have that out of your control. You're made of something amazing. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, I think it's really just accepting. Like where I get really mad is when I occasionally have like the smoothest silk morning where like the baby's cool and I'm cool and I get everything done and I make my lunch and I eat my breakfast and I'm out the door. Then something stupid like a train delay or like a bus traffic jam or whatever. Mm. And I'm just like, I had this. I fucking had this. I would have been there 15 minutes early. And instead I'm there like red on the nose. So you walk in at like 902 and it's like, Ugh. see, and this is why we need the brain trust of folks, you know, all the Elon Musk's muskuses <laughs> of the world to figure out teleportation so that we can just be done with all of this hullabaloo. Okay. I want to be able to get to work in a timely fashion while waking up as late as possible. I want to be able to visit my pals in Sydney, Australia without having to plan like 40 years in advance and it just seems like teleportation is the best way to do it so just like whenever somebody with the necessary skills has a minute i would really appreciate it if they could just like get it together it just seems like it's it's 2017 like why are we living in the stone ages right now (laughs) you're saying i have to use my feet like an animal yeah i know god all right, well, look, we probably have time for one more topic, so I'm going to let you choose. Me? That's too much pressure. Yeah. You're the boss. So, <laughs> actually, you know what? Por qué no le dos? Let's do them both, because I know your opinion on one of them. Mm. I should know your opinion on both, but I want to hear how you express it. So, first off, I would like to hear why, in your opinion, the flat of the chicken wing is better than the little drumsticky part of the chicken wing. Okay, okay. Okay, so this is an excellent question. This is a good opportunity for me to edify the community at large about, one, the proper way to eat a chicken wing. The important thing is, do not leave meat on that bone. That's shameful. When I see someone attack a plate of chicken wings and they think that they've finished eating it, I look at that and I'm just like, you had a plate of eight wings, you have left four wings worth of meat on those bones. And it's unacceptable to me. But to answer your question, it is so satisfying to pull apart that flat because this is what you got to do. You got to break the drumette from the flat and then you pull the two bones of the flat apart. And then you can just slide that whole bone and, and the meat on it just into your mouth. And then you just pull out the bone and then all of the meat is still in your maw. It's wonderful. It's wonderfully savage. And I just feel like the meat on the flat is also, it tends to be like more tender in my opinion. Whereas the drumette will have some char on it typically, which can be a good thing, but it can also just be excessively dry. And like, that's, that's kind of fun to gnaw on. But in terms of actual delicious, tender, tasty meat, 
I think the flat's where it's at. And also the skin on the flat, man, I should get a PhD in this. The skin (laughs) on the flat is that's also so much pleasure, which you just don't have as much of it in that concentration of that nice little fatty sliver. You don't really get that on the drumette. You can only get that on the flat. And if anyone's wondering, there is a very good instructional video in which the legendary unstoppable BD Wong will show you how to properly eat the flat of a chicken wing. That's really important. I haven't seen this video, but I will, I will actually take a look at it to make sure that my methods are up to the industry standard. He recommends the, like, the pinch at either side and the twist right and left mm-hmm. to loosen that cartilage. Mm-hmm. And then you can like, because like, that loosens it, and then you can get the one bite, clear the whole mm-hmm. wing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good method. For the sake of posterity, I'm going to find that video. I'm going to send it to you, and I want your live commentary, please. Okay. <laughs> also, BD Wong is a treasure. Yes, correct. And I don't know if this will last into the recording, but Kimiko's dad makes a point of referring to him as Big Dick Wong. And, like, I cannot with that. But every time he does, I have to, like, kind of smile and nod because he's Kimiko's dad. But he's like, ah, I was watching that Jurassic World the other day. And my friend Big Dick Wong was in it. <laughs> what is, do we know the rationale behind that moniker? Or it's just, it just struck his fancy one day. It just really tickled him one day. It really tickled him. And it's like, I think he just, he's like, I like B.D. Wong. And it's like, you know what? It would be funny if I called him Big Dick Wong. He's also the same kind of dad who would refer to jalapenos mm. or guacamole or some other mispronunciations of things in that true dad style. Yeah, dad's gonna dad. Dad's gonna dad. Okay, so I see the video. All right, hit it. All right. Okay, BD Wong. He's wearing a fantastic suit. I didn't know he was so stylish. What is this tie? This is a good look. Okay. He had a sharp motherfucker. And he got the tie bar at the right level. Pisses me off when people put it too high. Oh, it's perfect. All right. And I respect him for tackling a wing, like, in a full suit. Correct. Hold it PlayStation style (laughs) and twist the wing back and forth. That's actually very good. I'm just getting hungry watching him twist this chicken wing. Okay, so, and now, ah, so he just pulled the bone completely free from the flat. Wow, that I have never done that before, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I think your explanation was, was pretty perfect. You He just twisted the chicken wing longer than I thought was necessary, but I see now that you have to twist the wing that long so that you can adequately loosen the cartilage pull out the second bone and then you just put the whole thing in your mouth single bite yeah single bite but i feel like some of the pleasure comes from really like teasing the two apart and like i like Mm -hmm. to make my meals last a long time i think i have said this before (laughs) i like it when it takes a long time to eat a thing this is why i like high volume snacks like popcorn which i put Mm -hmm. so much like chili pepper on that it's basically inedible to most people (laughs) That thing where you you realize that you can put multiple seasonings that you would put on other things onto popcorn mm-hmm. and how that translates, mm-hmm. it's very important. Yeah, so important. So my question for you then, following on the wing conversation, sure. is what sauce do you go for? Because you mentioned chili. Mm. and I, So do you go for the hot sauce on your wings? Well, if I have my druthers, I would like to have mm. a variety. Ideally, mm. I would like to have one traditional buffalo, medium hot, hot enough that I'm awake and I'm paying attention, but not so hot that it's inedible. Because at a certain point, it's like, mm-hmm. who are you trying to impress? And then I'm always partial to like a like a sort of sweet type. It's like a honey barbecue I really like. I'm very down with, I think my favorite is always going to be a honey soy. Mm, yeah. Because it's like, it's just, it's just really tasty. Yeah. 
And I, I love spicy food, but it's like, I think like with a wing, I want tasty rather than spicy. Yeah, I will go for like a like a garlic soy. That's really good. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to, anything more exotic than that, I think is too easy to mess up. So unless you're at like a proper like Moroccan restaurant, don't get some like harissa rubbed chicken wing. You're probably going to be disappointed. Stick to what a restaurant can do well, which is like a good rule of thumb if you're just out in the world, not mm-hmm. just for chicken wings. And I also prefer the sauce that's actually cooked onto the wing rather than the dipping sauce. I don't see a wing as a dipping food. Agree. But then again, I'm also not American. So the idea of having that blue cheese sauce that you're dipping the wing into, I'm like, you are gilding the lily, sir. Well, you know, I'm also, I'm not a blue cheese person. I am one of a handful of people that prefers a ranch. If I'm going to be dipping like a buffalo wing, I know someone is like listening to this and just screaming bloody murder because I'm <laughs> I'm violating some fundamental tenet. But it's just like, I don't know. It's not like blue cheese that much. So it's just, it's just too much. Mm. It's too much fashion. It's, it's, it's too much flavor. Typically, and like a buffalo wing is the only thing that I'll dip in some other sauce. But if it's like like any sort of soy type or like like a jerk wing, like it's already seasoned. It already has a sauce on it. Why am I, as you say, like, why am I gilding the lily? Why am I doing all this extra tomfoolery? Keep it simple. Yeah, I love a jerk thing, except for the only way I know how to make it also leaves, like, my oven a complete mess. Because, like, the recipe that I found, it's like, you know, you soak it in, like, yogurt and lime juice and spice and Mm -hmm. that. And then you put it, you take it from that and put it on a grill, but you have to put, like, a tray under it as, like, the yogurt drips off it. Oh, yeah. And... Like, it makes for the, like, juiciest chicken, but also the messiest of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, excellence requires sacrifice. So sometimes you just got to do it. Yeah, it's like I learned with a Polish stew called bigos that I make. Oh, I know bigos. Yeah. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> and see, the one I have it does, like, you know, prunes and porcini mushrooms and, like, three kinds of sausages and, like, some pork belly in there. And it's real good, except for I learned the very first time I make it. If you cook prunes long enough, they will stick to a surface and never come off. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, well, the only way I'm going to make this is I buy one of those like aluminum foil turkey pans from the supermarket. And I make it in that and I throw that motherfucker away at the end of the day. Or you do it in like a slow cooker with like a liner. That's also a good pro tip. Yeah, my slow cooker has been used a lot. I think I've sent you Snapchats of it to make the root beer pork shoulder. I know. Every time you send a snap, I just like, like, well, why? But why not me? (laughs) Can it be for me? Can I have? I want to have. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I suppose we have time for one more quick topic. And the thing is, I'm actually going to dip out of this topic a little because here's the thing. Whenever I talk about comic books, Mm. I'm aware I'm approaching it from my particular experience And I listen to a lot of media about comic books, and I read a lot of comic books, and I'm very involved with people who talk about it a lot. But I would like to hear from you why Monstrous is a good comic book. Oh, man. Other than because Marjorie Liu is, like, amazing? (laughs) There's that separate to the work, but yeah, Marjorie Liu is amazing. Well, but you know, actually, I would like to focus on that because I had the magical opportunity to, like, listen to a talk of hers, and it really gave me, like, a newfound appreciation for her work. So what I didn't know about Monstrous when I first encountered it was that Marjorie Liu had this like whole other like life and career before she became a creator. She is a woman of mixed heritage. She's white and she's Chinese. 
and she spent all of her like youth and adolescence and like college trying to be like the perfect like daughter and do all of the right things so she really studied and she you know went to law school and she got the right job and everything but she was miserable she struggled with you know mental health issues and just took the time and did the work to figure out what her passion actually was, which was creating. She talked about how she let herself get lost in that too a little bit. She's like, yeah, like she's incredibly prolific. She has many works outside of Monstrous. Like she's written some astonishing number of books and stories and incredibly, incredibly productive person. But she she lost herself in that and she forgot how to like live apart from her work and so she sort of slid to opposite ends of the spectrum she gave this talk for this women of color empowerment conference and she talked about reconnecting with her roots and going to china and tentatively practicing her chinese in chinese restaurants like in her town and how that really helped her like center her and helped her find the balance between her work which she loves but also a life outside of that. And that I thought was really cool. And like a really, like a message that women don't often hear. Like, I think you either get this message of like, you're a woman and you're a creator or you're, you know, a powerful person in your field, whatever. And so you sink all of your time into that. Or you are this sort of like person who is committed just to your relationships and you are never the center of your own life and you're always defined by other people. I feel like it's very rare that you hear the story of someone who has experienced both and sort of found the balance and found a way to serve herself both personally, professionally, and like creatively. And so in some ways, after hearing her give that talk, like that to me is the most important thing about her is just like that experience. Although the work is great as well. I mean, Monsters is just like beautiful and cool, which is, that's my thing about like comics. I think when I first got into comics, I had this feeling that like, it needs to tell a brilliant story and it needs to be like technically good quote unquote or it needs to be like literary in some way you know what I mean the more comics I read the more I realized like the things that I like which is like beautiful art (laughs) badass women both on the page and like behind the scenes and a story that engages me it doesn't have to be like capital a art you know because I think that that can be a trap and monstrous has all of those things that's why I love monstrous but I'm also just as I have elaborated now for many, like too many minutes, like I'm just very obsessed with Marjorie Lou and I just think she's great. <laughs> and she was dressed so cool. Like I can't even explain the outfit she had on. <laughs> it was like, it, it suggested a kimono, but it was like a dress and it had these very, it was just so artistic and cool. And I wanted to talk to her, but she seemed really busy and I was nervous, you know, so I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my spiel. <laughs> so yes, listeners, if that sounds interesting to you and you're not already reading Monstrous, please go and do so. Also, that first issue is like 79 pages. It's a really deep first issue. Yeah, for sure. To the point where I think the trade is like the first issue and like maybe three more because there's so much content mm. packed in. Yeah. And again, it's one of those comics where you mentioned the art and Sana Takeda mm. is doing this incredible work in this book. And it's complex and detailed and beautiful. And also drawing like some kind of dark and scary stuff. But at no point does it tip over into the grotesque. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's like every panel I want, like mm-hmm. as art in my office or home. 
uh, not enough wall space. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Camille, if people wanted to find your stuff on the internet, where would they go? Well, if you want to chat with me in real time, you can do that at twitter.com, the website. I'm at that Blasian girl. If you want to chat with me and my podcast mate, Christina, on Twitter, we're at the Black Hotties. And you can check out like links to past episodes of our show at theblackhotties.com. That was really concise to, to the point where I was like, I was momentarily distracted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <You were> done. <laughs> I don't know. So you are currently on hiatus with the Black Hotties, right? We just put out a fresh episode. Um, Ooh, oh, there's a fresh one. Yeah, on Wednesday. So a couple of days ago as of like this recording. So there's a new episode in it. We're back from our summer vacation. We're extra brown, extra sassy. So do get involved. <laughs> get involved and stay involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was funny slash sad is that the one you put up before your break, uh, a replay of a really good episode. Yeah. But thing is, you don't say at the beginning that it was a replay. You say in the show notes. Mm. So I like had it on like dropping in next to my feed the way Downcast does. And it just started playing. And it started with like sort of a general conversation around, oh, well, you know, this really bad thing has happened and we're all really upset about it. But here are some ways to deal. And I was listening and I was going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I realized one of the examples, I'm like, wait, they've said that before. <laughs> and I look and it was a replay because that is living in 2017 that you can listen to someone talking about something horrible that's happened and you just presume it's the latest in this string of horrors yeah i know the current burning trash pile that is the world it has actually made making the episodes like or making the show like even more complicated we record probably on average like four or five days in advance of when a show drops so that's already like a lag that's like longer than Scaramucci was around. Like, <laughs> so, so we're always so worried about like stuff being out of date. And our two most recent episodes, I mean, by the time the next episode comes out, like there will have been fully four weeks since we recorded. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how it holds up. So trying to find something that's going to be like evergreen is an important, important question. Yeah, it's like watching John Oliver get frustrated with the fact that he's like, <laughs> I was going to make a joke about this terrible thing that happened and another terrible thing has happened since. Yeah, it's it's just nonstop. It's been like a day. Give me a minute. No, the, <laughs> the cycle is so quick. But what we've decided to do is just like embrace the cold take. <laughs> Since we are, <laughs> since we're a bi-weekly podcast, which I see as a benefit because I have like enough weekly podcasts. It, it is a lot to stay on top of. Like, it, oh yes, if I miss a week, if I'm like traveling or something and I don't have time to listen, it's just like, well, you're fucked, I guess. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just like never gonna know what happened. In a gentler way, I get that sometimes with this show because I'll have recorded something and like I'll be talking about how I've just gotten into a thing. And <laughs> then, like by the time it comes out, I would have like listened to or watched all of the thing. And I'm like, wow, listen to me having a take like three episodes into the adventure zone. Oh. And I'm like, they just did the finale like yesterday. <laughs> and like you said, cold ass takes. I'm like this thing I've just started. And now it's like, it's my life. And it's so important. <laughs> Yeah, truly. Welcome to 2K17. <laughs> All right, Camille. Thank you so much for coming back. I may have to make chicken wings for lunch. Yes. Honestly, am I going to get delivery chicken wings tonight? Maybe. YOLO.
thank you very much to Camille Washington for her time. Last time Camille was on the show, I made a drink that combined her southern upbringing with her Filipino roots. In this case, I've kind of worked backwards. Earlier this year in February, Kimiko and I went to Riley Street Garage, which is a restaurant in Sydney for Valentine's Day. And I had a drink that I have been trying to reverse engineer for something like six months. And I knew it was going to be the perfect drink if Camille ever came back on the show. And here we are. Now, I've had to diverge from the original recipe a fair bit, but I'm pretty happy with the results. While last time we went from Manila to Memphis, today we're going from New York to Montenegro. In a shaker with no ice, combine one and a half ounces of bourbon, half an ounce of Amaro Montenegro, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, and one egg white. Shake vigorously for at least 20 seconds until you see the egg white foaming up. Add ice and shake again until the outside of the container frosts over. Strain into an old-fashioned glass over one or two really big ice cubes. Top up with two to three ounces of red wine. Now, you have to be very specific what kind of wine you get. You want something that's very fruit forward, like a really punchy Shiraz or Malbec. Your delicate floral Pinots or your grippy Cabernet Sauvignons ain't gotta cut it with this. Also, you may have to adjust the simple syrup ratio to make sure it doesn't get too sweet or too sour. I would recommend starting with a dash and then adding up from there. Though through repetition, I've found that about three quarters of an ounce is about the right point. Uptown classy or downtown badass? Get you a drink that can do both. Enjoy. Leichhardt, New South Wales, Australia, and is written, hosted, and edited by yours truly, Lucas Brown. New episodes are released every Wednesday evening, and if you'd like to be a guest on the show, simply send an email to themathofyou at gmail.com and tell us what you'd like to talk about. Fair warning, I am booked up for most of the rest of the year. Although, my recording hiatus is coming to an end, so I will be looking to get some new stuff for January. You can follow the show on Twitter at The Math of You, and you can follow my wacky adventures at Lokified, L-O-K-I-F-I-E-D, on Twitter and Instagram, and Lokified82 on Snapchat. If you have a few dollars spare and would like to directly support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Lokified and pledge as little as a dollar a month. You can also pull out some fat stacks and just pledge as much as you want. They don't tell you that. It's Patreon. If you're listening, it's something you really should promote. If you'd like to support the show non-monetarily, you can head to iTunes in the country of your choice and leave a five-star rating or a review. It helps people find the show, and I'll read out any reviews people leave. Won't that be nice? If you like the music I play on the show, there's a Spotify playlist for that. Head on over to bit.ly slash themathofyou, with capitals at the beginning of each word, to find a Spotify playlist with every song I've ever used in the show, going all the way back to episode one, including this one. It's Truffle Butter by Nicki Minaj. Not only is it a great song, but I felt it was only fitting considering Camille's love of butter. 
I update the playlist every Wednesday as soon as the new episode is live, so make sure you subscribe to get that new music in your ears. Next week, it's the return of Ginger Turner. Join me, won't you? I've had someone who's recently changed their computer setup and it's just like, oh yeah, you know, it doesn't cough and sputter like an old hairdryer as you're recording. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty handy if you want like a product that you can share with people <laughs> and it's not just trash. <laughs> when they said that, I presumed that they meant like one of those hairdryers where you hold it up to your hair and it just goes, oh, and you're just like, oh, what are you what are you doing? And it's just like, I'm drying your hair. No, no, you're not. It's like a, a, a weird, erotic, non-breath. <laughs> like, what is that? Thanks a lot, hair dryer. Like, uh, let, me, let me just help you out there. Just... <laughs> just... <laughs> Wait, you just have a consumptive cough yeah. all over you, oh, all, all over your head. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm so happy they have those, like, fancy Dyson hand dryer things in Australian bathrooms and malls and stuff now, because mm. other than that, it's like it's just attempting to, like, hold your hands against this dryer and just be like, please please let me not walk out and feel like I've just like dunked my hands in a pool. Have they gotten completely rid of paper towels? No, no, because a lot of like smaller places still have paper towels, but all the big like mm. shopping centers and stuff have the Dyson ones because they work out that it's cheaper in the long run. It is. I do like the Airblade. I do. It's just efficient. Mm-hmm. It feels right. The one time it doesn't work is where you've got like, you know, a nosebleed or something and you run into the bathroom and you're just like, I can't oh, yeah. stick my face <laughs> into an Airblade. Yeah, it won't fit turns out (laughs) also that's probably not hygienic yeah yeah i I think it would be like like those awful situations where you see someone like at the pool or at the gym or something trying to like dry out their like shirt or their like pants or something that they've like dripped water onto with the hand dryer and it's like that is that is not what that is for yeah and it's really just sad to watch tm someone trying to like like stand in a way where they can hold up their pocket where they spilled coffee like up to the edge of the hand dryer and you're just like Oh, dude, no. Yeah, just, oh, buddy, just go home. <laughs> it's okay. It's like I, I absolve you. I give you leave to go home. Yeah, right? It takes so much less for me to just be like, I give up. I'm turning around. This day, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs>